Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. These are times, I fear, times that try men's and women's souls. These are times that make one weary. I don't need to rehearse all that's going on in the world and our nation, a climate crisis moving fast, faster than predicted, racism strangling us like a weed still rooted in our hearts and the soul of the nation, another round of gun violence and governmental inaction, and each one of us here might have challenges and worries of our own that exhaust our souls. And in such times, what do we do? What is the remedy for weary souls? That's an urgent question. It's urgent, not because things are worse now than at any time before, though we are certainly beset by an overload of information about all that is wrong and worrisome in the world and our lives, beleaguered as we are by a 24-hour news cycle and never-ending streams from social media. But weary souls are not new. We're always in need of a remedy. Nearly 2,000 years ago, the author of the letter to the Hebrews knew that when writing to a group of Christians who had seemingly grown weary, whether from the demands of the Christian calling or from some oppression because of their faith, that's unclear. But what is clear is that they needed encouragement. The letter to the Hebrews was written to the weary it's a letter for us today. The author begins the letter by trying to inspire the Hebrews with descriptions of Jesus, all that he has done and is doing even now as our great high priest. But in this section, the author encourages the Hebrews to have hope for the future by having them look to their past. And somehow, somehow that makes sense. If we remember all those who have gone ahead of us in faith, those who were brave in the face of trouble and fear, well then, that can inspire us, we whose faith might be faltering. It can inspire us to face our troubles and our fears. I know that I'm bolstered by our own history here at All Saints, and I hope you are too, whether you've been here for 30 years or three months, these stories are our stories. They're encouragement for us when we grow weary. I'm encouraged by the faith of those who dreamt of a grand cathedral giving their money and their time all those years ago. They trusted in the future, but most of them only got to see half of a cathedral built left with a small wooden shed-like structure up here. They had faith in things hoped for, 
But could they have dreamt a hundred years ago of this modern apse we have now? This rounded wall, nothing like the original architectural plans, yet such a striking, glorious part of our church, a change that must have taken real courage by parishioners and priests to say yes to, and who might now be surprised to learn that soon, God willing, we'll have new stained glass windows and a bright glass narthex. And in this time of division of all kinds, we have the faithful witness of those saints in the 40s and the 50s who sat in the very pews you sit in today, who decided that when white flight came to this neighborhood, that they were not going to pull up stakes and move to another neighborhood as so many churches did. Instead, they put a sign out front over the door saying, everyone is welcome, and they meant it and the parish was racially integrated. Some people left. Yes, that's true. They left then just as they did when the first woman regularly ordained in our denomination was ordained right here. Just as they left when we allowed homeless to sleep in the pews or when we gave away some of our land so that affordable housing could be built. But the parish continued. And many who started all those projects never lived to see the fruit of them. How could those who tacked up that little tacky plastic sign above our front doors, how could they know that later we would become a church for so many, for people maybe literally unthinkable in their own time? Gay and lesbian folks, trans folks, Latinx people, folks of different abilities. And yet that dream that they had for everyone continues to grow beyond their own imaginings. And just as we are now mired in an epidemic of gun violence, an epidemic that the government callously refuses to address, much less solve, I, I can't help but think about another epidemic that some of you remember and some of you survived when the AIDS crisis swept through this city at a time when the president refused to even say the word AIDS. Back then, before there was reliable treatment, any treatment, and people didn't know how to stop this plague or how to protect their loved ones, All Saints became a haven for the gay community, for those living with HIV AIDS and became one of the only churches that would bury someone who had died of AIDS, member or not. Could those who acted then in faith, hoping for a different future, believing in the promise of God, that God loves us all and we ought to love one another, could those folks then have ever imagined this time now? A time when to be a church that welcomes folks who are LGBTQ, it's no longer such a big deal. A time when marriage is for all couples. Just as we might look back at those who have gone before us here at 16th and Central to gather courage for our future, so the author of Hebrews offers stories of their forebears in faith. He looks back 
to those whose faith looked beyond their own present moment, who trusted in the promises of God, the promise to Abraham that he would inherit vast tracts of land, that he would have as many descendants as there are stars in the sky. Abraham followed God's promise, leaving home to go where he knew not. Abraham and Sarah trusted God, though his promise that they would have descendants took decades to be fulfilled. Decades filled with wrong turns and disappointments and their own doubts. Abraham lived to enter the land that was promised to him, yet he still lived in tents, as did his son Isaac and grandson Jacob. They were still strangers and foreigners on earth, we are told. Abraham lived long enough to see two sons and a handful of grandchildren, yet how could he have imagined from that the modern state of Israel? How could he imagine from that three Abrahamic faiths, now three billion strong, strewn across the earth? Abraham died in faith without having received the fullness of those promises, but from a distance he saw and greeted them as promises. He trusted that God was working in eternal time rather than Abraham's timeline. When we see the faith of those who have gone before, those who trusted in promises not fulfilled in their own lifetime but clearly bearing fruit generations later, when we see that, we can have faith that what we long for, what we hope for, is not hoped in vain. Closer to our own time, I think of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King who took courage from the prophet Moses who led his people towards freedom, could see the promised land from the mountain, but who never got there himself. In his last speech the night before he died, Dr. King preached, well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop, and I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life, he preached. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will, and he's allowed me to go up to the mountain, and I've looked over, and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land land and so I'm happy tonight I'm not worried about anything I'm not fearing any man now Dr. King was a man who had every right to be weary threats were constant he was dogged by the FBI he was turned against by other civil rights leaders there were setbacks all along the way but he looked back at those who went ahead of him those who had been faithful, though not always fulfilled, and he knew his future could not fail because it was a future promised by a faithful God, the one who keeps promises, the one whose good pleasure it is to give us the kingdom.
and when and when we are weary when we feel like giving up when despair starts to creep in let us grab hold of the faith of Abraham and Moses and Dr. King and all those saints who came before us in this place what a privilege to enter into that long line of the faithful, to take up our part in the march, to borrow their courage and their faith so that we know that we do not run this race in vain. We run it knowing that no matter how it looks, we are homeward bound. We are setting our sights on the new Jerusalem. We could turn back to our old homeland, but that's not where God is. God is ever ahead of us, luring us on, luring us forward into lands we know not, into promises that seem impossible, into promises that may not even be fulfilled in our lifetime. But by looking at the faith of those in the past, we can see that the only direction is forward, forward towards that better country, forward to the trustworthy eternal future with God. And the only way to get there, the only way to get there is through faith, our own, that of our forebears, faith that the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things we cannot see yet, but are no less true. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.